Today on Lockdown Red Wings, Detroit loses in an OT thriller to the Sens, but finished January with a strong 20 out of 26 points. Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Did you like the air quotes I put around thriller? There, that was Scott? great, man. Thanks. That I thought was it was great. pretty funny. I'm, I think I'm pretty funny in general. So, um, anyways, welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I'm a podcast producer for the Daily J A W W J News Radio podcast. While Scotty's us over at Lockdown Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. And speaking of getting getting started, before we get started, Scotty, just want to remind everyone, as you're listening to this, uh, we are very close to the end of the Michael Rasmussen Stick giveaway. This ends at 11.59 p.m. on Friday. Ooh. So... Right as the clock turns midnight to Saturday, this giveaway, the sweepstakes is going to end. So if you want to enter and have a chance to win the Michael Rasmussen stick giveaway, game used stick giveaway, it's even broken at the bottom. That's how you can tell. Um, Go to our YouTube page. Go to the community tab. It's the first post on the community tab. You just subscribe to us, comment, subscribe, and fill out a Google form. That's four short questions. You'll be entered to win. The Google form really does the heavy lifting for me because it makes it really easy to pick a winner on my end. Uh, so the Google form submission. It's also Google not form. like it's not that deep either. It's just yeah. like. I need like, your email. and Yeah. Like entering so that we can contact you when you win. Yeah. Like, that's like literally it. Like it's uh, not like a big questionnaire or anything. Of course, you have to be a U.S. resident because shipping to outside the U.S. is ridiculous. And I'm a broke boy saving for a wedding. And also you need to be 18 years or older. So it's. If you fall within those that jurisdiction, feel free to uh, feel free to enter the sweepstakes. Anyway, Scotty, Red Wings fell to the Ottawa Senators three to two in overtime. Uh, that's the last game of the season series between the two. Wings finished the season series against them one one and two. The Senators continue to kind of just be that team they can't beat, despite the fact that the Senators are eighth in the division. They're kind of every year. There's a, there's a team that's the Red Wings kryptonite. I remember a couple of years ago was the Canadiens when the Canadians were really bad. Um, but you know the past two years it's been the Senators and it still is the Senators. But the good news is the Red Wings got a point. They finished January with twenty points, nine two and two, and they have a six point gap between th- them and the next closest team tracing them in the wild card. And they sit currently tied in points with the Leafs, the Islanders. Run. Uh, still the Islanders, yeah. They have one game in hand. The Islanders have one game in hand. Yeah, yeah. And they trail by six. So, I mean, well, yeah, Scotty, it sucks that they lost this game. Overall vibes for the month of January heading into the All-Star break is phenomenal. Yeah, for sure. I I, I mean, as many Red Wings fans, I'm I'm sure agree, uh, losing to the Sens is uh, kind of always frustrating. That's been a kind of a boiling – it hit its boiling point, honestly, a while ago, but – Kind of this like uh, this building up rivalry over the last several seasons, and uh, now losing to them this year is obviously more frustrating, and just because they have been struggling, they they and they're going into the break hot. You know, credit where credits due. They 
they, they deserve some credit. Obviously, they had a had a coaching change midseason, didn't really help immediately, but uh, they are they are going into the break uh, pretty hot here. But um, I probably a little too little too late. You know, go check out Lockdown Sends. They do a fantastic job, obviously. But they um, they are one of the best in the Lockdown NHL Network. Yeah, as, as much as the rivalry is hot between locked uh, between Red Wings and Senators fans, Lockdown Senators podcast is one of the best on the, the yeah, NH, Lockdown NHL sure. Network. One of the best sure. on the whole network for sure. Um, so yeah, we can break. You know, the, the, I'm sure they'll do plenty of uh, celebrating this win, as you know they uh, they should, and as we would do the same if we were winning. But uh, they've just had such a weird season that it's really frustrating for the Wings to consistently struggle against this hockey team. And you get a point, and I think that that's kind of the silver lining here. You you're in a position, and they talked about it a little bit on the broadcast. Uh, Mickey Redmond was talking about it a little bit, where. You're at a point right now where you you just need to to not standings look and not look at anybody else and just try to get as many points as humanly possible. And uh, this is a game where you should have gotten two. I think you know you're a much better team than Ottawa, but uh, at least this season. But um, given how well January has gone, ending and going into the All Star break, still sneaking a point in there despite the loss, I, I think is at least somewhat of a silver silver lining. And like you said, they had a really, really good month, which certainly helps as well. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I mean, I guess to get into the game. Frustrating overall, though. Don't get it twisted. I, I'm very, especially right after the final, uh, th- that goal was scored, man. Very, very frustrating loss for sure. Yeah, and that's exactly kind of what it is. A great month, frustrating loss regardless. And I guess to get into the game itself, it was both, the way I described this game to some people I was talking to is it was the most eventful, uneventful hockey game I've ever watched. It felt like neither team really had the energy or the jump in this game to win it. But at the same time, both teams were getting a plentiful amount of high danger chances and high danger shots as well. I mean, you could go back to the first period, especially, and both teams were just exchanging shots from right there within the, uh, within the yeah. hash marks and closer in like right outside the paint on both Lion and Corpusalo, but both teams just could not hit the net. Like Tarasenko sailed one wide right at the start where normally the Red Wings are really good at clogging the middle. They didn't do a good job of that in this game for the most part, I felt. And the, the same was true for the Ottawa Senators. It felt like, for instance, I checked natural stat trick, right? The Red Wings, who we you talked about it in the crossover episode against uh, with Brian Line and uh, Daniela Bruce from Red and White Authority, and I think you mentioned it again yesterday's episode. The Red Wings are top five in high danger chances against, and that's a good thing. They're the fifth lowest or something along those lines, according to Money Puck. They've given up the fifth fewest high danger yeah, shots in the league. That's the best way to say it. Thank you. Um, but in this game, they give up five high danger shots on Alex Lyon and only eight low danger shots. Yeah. So they were allowing the Ottawa Senators to get high danger opportunities. They just weren't capitalizing. And the same was true for the Red Wings. And that's why my first bullet point at the top of the list here is missed shots make the difference. I mean, Rasmussen oh, missed so one super many. low. You had so oh, yeah. many opportunities. I mean, Rasmussen missed one uh, in the beginning of the game down low. Mort Sider shot one stick side wide. You had Debrinkit hit the post. Uh, Dylan Larkin went off the foot of Shabbat. You had uh, Christian Fisher 
bang his rebound home and it just barely stayed out. There were so many opportunities where the Red Wings could have pulled away. And again, like I said, it went both ways. The um, shorty, we'll talk- I don't know if you said that, the cop shorty. Oh, the shorthanded opportunity, yeah. So it's just one of those things where it was. It felt like a really uneventful game where the shots were relatively low. Both teams registered 25 shots in this game. After and analytically, the first period, it was alarmingly low for both teams. The third yeah. period especially just slowed down. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they were a lot of really good opportunities. And that's what I mean when I say it was uneventful, eventful hockey. For sure, yeah, man. And, and like it's kind of hard for these two teams to play and have it be like truly uneventful. So that's, I guess, kind of the point that you're trying to draw is like, might not have had the most, you know, uh, like events in terms of like hockey events, but it's always going to be an eventful game when these two play. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, we'll talk about the defense. I know you want to talk about Ghost and Hall um, a, a little bit here. We can probably, that's probably another side of the break conversation, but um, I, I did. Yeah. I mean, clearly the, the defense struggled and it, it really has again, been a consistent thing against Ottawa, right? Like just for the last season and a half, two seasons, like just consistently, they have uh, an ability to just slice and dice your defense. And, and they really have been your Achilles heel. And for a team that in the month of January has been so, so, so incredibly good, at pushing shots to the outside, uh, they certainly did. And, and like right away, right? Like some one of the, the first couple of shots of the game were right. I think the first shot, first or second shot of the entire game for Ottawa was uh, was, was high danger, like right in front of the net, you know, kind mm-hmm. of a might have been like low slot, you know, like just it, uh, it felt like just kind of off rip. And then that didn't really change the remainder of the game. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned the slice and dicing. The bulk majority of that happened against, and I mean the bulk majority of that happened against that ghost and hole line, and you're right. I want to talk about that uh, on the other side of the break. That seems to be the kind of the natural progression of this conversation because, uh, honestly, I, I don't think it was a bad hockey game, but I just feel like there was, and I don't want to pin the loss on hole and Gostas Bear, but they, I, I feel like as their pair has progressed together, they've almost gotten more underwhelming by the game. So I I definitely want to talk about it here in this one. So stay tuned to segment two of lockdown red wings. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks and place placing some Super Bowl bets. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more. Visit with FanDuel, an official sportsbook of the NFL. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. And I I teased it, Scotty, before the break. We were talking about how it felt like the defense was giving up a lot of opportunities in high-danger areas. You know, just looking at Corsi overall in this game at five-on-five, the the Ottawa Senators walked away from this game with 51 shot attempts. Not shots on net, but 51 shot attempts. About half of those made it to the net. 25 shots on net for them total. 
Uh, that's just their five on five shot attempts, though. So it's not exactly half. Uh, but Gostas Bear and Justin Hole were out there for 21 and 20 shot attempts against, respectively, at five on five throughout this game, playing just 13 minutes a night with for a Corsi four percentage of 27 and 26 percent, negative 34 and 35 percent relative. And then if you go to expected goals for percentage, it gets even worse where Justin Hull had an expected goals for percentage of 9.03. That's an expected goals for 0.1 and expected goals against of 0.96, negative 53.41% relative. And uh, Gostas Bear himself was uh, 16.58 expected for expected goals for percentage with an expected goals against of 1.2. Now that's a lot of numbers I just threw at you guys. Um, the, the main one I want you guys to focus on right now is of the 51 shot attempts that the Ottawa Senators had, Gossis, Baron Hall were out there for 20 of them at five on five. That's nearly half of all shot attempts were when they were out there and they were only out there for 13 minutes at five on five. Oh. And this isn't an outlier. You know, this, this, this bad of an, this bad of a performance may be an outlier, but their performance together as a pair has been getting progressively worse by the game. It seems. And like all those numbers match what I'm watching during the game, they're getting consistently trapped in the defensive zone and they can't get it out. You know, Gostas bear has been a black hole defensively for the greater, like almost ever since Sherratt went out, honestly, because now he was forced to play with Justin hole who he has no, chemistry with Justin Hole consistently chases too far out of position and gives, you know, gives the puck up and uh, has turnovers. It's becoming increasingly frustrating for, to watch those two play hockey together when it feels like every shift they're out there, you're lucky that you don't get scored against. And like the saving grace of Shane Gosses bear was his goal scoring. And it feels like the bulk of his production lately, if he does get an assist, it's a secondary assist here or there like this defensive pair needs to be broken up sooner rather than later. And this is why I'm glad Ben Sherrod is coming back after the all-star break, because that is more than likely going to push Goss or hole back to the press box. And, and it sucks. You're paying him three by three, right? Like you're getting paying him $3 million, which is not an insignificant amount of money for a guy who's especially sitting in your press box more times than not. But Sherrod and Petrie were a, solid second pair as much as it pains me to admit that they were a solid second pair, right? Grass is always green on the other side. I realized what I had now the shots hurt. Um, you know, that being said, I thought Mata has been fantastic, uh, stepping up to play with Petrie on the second pair, but I, I really look forward to shopping back because that pair on the bottom is not playing well together at all. And you can't afford to split up the top four pairs or the top two pairs because they're actually playing really well. So it's just that that pair. I just wanted it today. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, I, I I'm glad that you uh, you broke down some of the the numbers and the reasons why you like aren't a fan of that pair together and want them broken up. But I don't think the conversation is much more than that because, to your point, like Ben Sherratt will be back and then the pair will be no more. So, like, I mean, we can, you know, you know what I mean. Like, there's no point in me. Uh, or us spending, you know, like 10, 12 minutes and, and complaining about it when, uh, yeah, the other side of the break, it, it won't be a thing anymore. So there yeah, you go. Right. And that's the nice thing. And, you know, there are going to probably be people who think to my, are thinking, okay, well, you know, when Woolman and Sider's metrics aren't very good, you de- you're so quick to defend them. But, you know, I'm quick to defend them because they play 
big minutes. You know, Cider finished the game with 25 yeah, minutes this, in tonight's this game. Not, you playing don't have against, to defend that. That's not the same. I'm just yeah. thinking. I'm, I'm just covering my bases. I know. I, I, understand. I understand. I'm just saying, like, that's not even remotely close to the same thing. Playing the best competition and leading the team in minutes is not the same as not playing the best competition and having the fewest amount of minutes out of the defensive pair and still being responsible for half the shots against those are nowhere and close to comparable situations. That's exactly it. Right. Like they're, they're playing the bulk majority of their shifts against third and fourth line, third and fourth liners. Yeah. And they're getting caved in. It, it's ridiculous. Um, in fact, the, the goal against the first goal against in this game scored uh, by, was it Castellic? I just want to make sure I pronounce that right. Castellic. Yeah. You know, the redirect. rather than Gosses Bear going to cover the man in front and lifting his stick, Gosses Bear cuts in front of Castellic and Lyon, further screening Alex Lyon, and tries to tip the puck himself, knock it out of the air with his stick, rather than tying Castellic up so he can't get his stick on yeah. a shot that's going wide. I'm just like... Well, it, yeah, it wasn't a good play, and it also caused Lyon to be... 30 feet to the left when the goal found the back of the net. I, yeah, that was, uh, that was kind of a disaster of a play, but I just wanted to, I, I needed to bring it up. And like you said, it, it's a, kind of a moot point regardless. Cause Sherratt's coming back and I'm, I'm really happy that he is coming back after the all-star break. Yeah, Sherratt and Petrie um, have been solid. Yeah. But I mean, two, again, this is another good time to transition here. Olimata and Jeff Petrie for what it's worth have been a pretty dang good defensive pair together. And you know, I don't think that Olimata and Jeff, I don't think Jeff Petrie and Olimata saw the same level of competition and deployment that sh they did when Sherratt was with Petrie. So, because I think they know what they have in Olimata overall, uh, generally a second or a third pair of defensive defensemen. But Olimata looked good in this game. I've noticed on multiple occasions in the offensive zone, Olimata with offensive zone deployments was stepping up into the offensive zone and cycling below the net, holding, carrying the puck and looking for passes. I thought overall, while Sherrod's been out, Olimata's done a good job stepping up into that role, so I want to give him yeah. credit. And it just reassures me that when Sherrod comes back, that we have a guy on the third pair who's going to be at that third pair staple. And that can't be overstated how important that is. Yeah, 100%. And that's like something that we talked about in the offseason, in the summer. We talked about the importance of uh, having six, and then you know when an injury happens, seven defenseman that you can uh, trust to at least get minutes consistently at the NHL level. And that's uh, Olimata's, like you said, stepped up in a big way and uh, certainly helping the depth for sure. And I mean, of course, the defensive pair that was like most impressive, of course, was Jake Wallman and Moritz Sider. Uh, they got involved a lot in the offense in this game too. Just they got missing the net, but that was everyone. Yeah. Everybody was just a couple inches off the entire game. And then Sider obviously, uh, you know, blows a tire on, I, I'm not even worried about that. That was unfortunate, but that just happens. That's hockey. Yeah, Sometimes right. it sucked yeah, because I it was wasn't saying it's like, he's going to blow a tire every time. <laughs> like that's obviously not a consistent thing. No, it's just, you know, it, Let, it happens. It sucks. You, uh, you go to overtime and you look back at a, a play like that for sure. But yeah, certainly not any heat towards him. Yeah. I mean, he finished the game with 60%, Corsi 4% and 62% and 52% expected goals for. So, you know, this is one of those games where analytically he was deemed well or deemed good playing 25 minutes overall. And of yeah. course, like always being paired up against the toughest competition. And I like, they're so good in the offensive zone. Wolman insider are so good in the offensive zone when they were out there with the top line with Larkin, uh, Raymond and to that line 
dominated. Mm -hmm. They were so good whenever they were all out there together. I mean, the top line looked good on their own in general, but when those five are out there together, you're going, Oh my God, they could score at any given moment. And eventually they did. They eventually they did break through. Larkin got the game tire. So Mm -hmm. uh, I guess we can talk about the top line in segment three. They got the game tire. Who's who set the screen? Your dog, Christian Fisher. Yeah, he did right. that. He did that the other day too when he snowed the goalie. Remember? Was that against yeah. Vegas? He's the man. He's the man. All right. Uh, we'll talk about the offense in segment three of Locked On Red Wings. Segment three, Locked On Red Wings podcast. All right, Scotty. Yeah, that top line, they were they were buzzing tonight. I thought for sure Cat was gonna get a goal. He looked they all looked really good. I don't know how Again, else to say it. A couple of times, man, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that's right. We talk about him being snake bit, and of course he hit the post in this game. So, yeah. meh. It, 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 Larkin eventually got the goal. It wasn't necessarily he was out there with the top line. It was one of those times where he came in off a change, I believe. Uh, but he got the puck in the corner think, and cycled all the way to the top. I, Mata got I the lone assist. Fisher had just come out of the box, too, maybe? And, like, didn't he come out of the box and immediately go to the screen, too? Like, yeah, it was, it was a right weird as, kind of mixed match, yeah. It was right as the PK expired. Right. Yeah. There was yeah. a blocked shot or a redirected pass towards the middle, and they came back the other way as uh, Fisher was coming out of the box. And yeah. the puck went to the corner. He cycled up high. Larkin did, and he just fired at home. 12 game point streak Crazy. for the captain. Uh, his 23rd goal of the season. I mean, he's just doing captain things, right? Wins, loss, doesn't matter. He's going to show up and, you know, it's crazy that you can almost guarantee you're going to get one point out of a guy every single game. Some teams have that luxury and they take it for granted, but for us teams that are struggling, just trying to climb our way back in the playoffs is such a luxury, man. It's so yeah. Nice. Well, I mean, this is, we've been talking about this for, you know, with Larkin for what, seven years now. Right. Like, I mean, this is uh, it's, it's, this has been what we were like hoping for. We were hoping for, you know, a one C point a game player, you know, type of guy. And for him to reach that, I, I don't want to ever take it for granted, man. Cause we we've seen some teams that didn't have that. And like Larkin was hurt a lot or he like, wasn't that yet when he was younger. Right. And just getting to this point and having that kind of solidified, you know, point a game, kind of rock in, in your uh in your lineup is uh unbelievable it's it's very 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 helpful <laughs> very 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 helpful and uh yeah he's obviously on a heater so good for him and i i don't yeah i'm with you i don't want anybody to uh i don't want it to just become like oh like you know larkin gets his point let's just not even talk about it like that's it's worth bringing up always man he's uh he's a heck of a hockey player mr reliable um, also other goal, the Red Wings scored Daniel sprung 13th of the season set up oh. by And we got to give credit to Joe Valeno. You know, we for, completely Great forgot to pass, man. Great. Beautiful pass. We completely forgot to talk about the fact that Valeno scored a power play goal in the game against the Vegas golden Knights. It was mm. his ninth of the season. Uh, so he's one away from having uh, a 10 goal year as well. This was his 11th assist on the feed to sprung. He has 20 points now, which ties his career high, which he set last year with another 30 games to go. So Joe Valeno's having himself a nice little breakout year from the bottom six. And that's especially impressive from a guy that, I mean, let's be honest. We kind of, we kind of gave up on him a little bit in the off season. Like we I thought he'd be a healthy on him over the yeah. summer. I, I, yeah, I really kind of laid into him over the summer and was talking because he, his last season was 
uh, extremely underwhelming. Another was the contract thing, where even though he's an RFA, we were like holding out. Like, I mean, there was a lot of weird stuff that happened. Over, uh, you know, the the six months we'll say before uh this season started and he has done nothing but uh, especially that those first few months man he really hit the ground running he's had a great year and is uh if he can be a solid you know uh bottom six playmaker down there for this team going forward that's a huge win so definitely hat off to him and he looks good on the power play too so yeah yeah. and then of course like you said the sprung just he is he is i tweeted it out but he might be the best bottom six goal scorer in the league he's the man it just sucks that he has one really bad turnover every single game. Yeah. He had one in the first or second where he just straight passed it to the middle of the defensive zone. Yeah, oh, yeah. <gasps> let it go. Just let it go. Yeah. What are you doing? And that is why he stays in the bottom six because he is pretty atrocious defensively. He hustles. So he's the man. He is the man. That goal was <laughs> awesome. And he and 13 goals on the season. He's been great. Um, yeah, but I, I thought the special team. Well, I mean, we should talk about the questionable refing, but before that, uh, the penalty kill was stellar in this game. Michael Rasmussen making several huge plays. They went three for three overall. And I know the Ottawa Senators have like one of the one of, if not the worst team penalty power play on the league in the league rather. Uh, but I was very pleased with how the penalty kill uh, performed in this game. Just they don't, they don't get scared. They don't chase. They don't overreact. And I thought that they were switching off coverage in the defensive zone very nicely. So I was really happy. Yeah, man, they just um, they play it safe, which I, I can almost sound like a negative, but it's not. I mean, clearly, it's been really successful this season. I, I'm, it's certainly not. They uh, they just don't overcommit to anything, and they don't over rotate. We kind of talked about that um, probably a couple of weeks ago now, actually, but. They, yeah, it's obviously, it's been a really solid unit and you went out last summer and you got players specifically to help that unit, right? And you already had a couple, but you, you, you went out and got players specifically to help your, you know, defensive forward core and your penalty kill specifically. So, um, yeah, it's nice to see, uh, the fruits of that. Yeah. And unfortunately a lot of those, and like even the one Detroit power play that they had, the refs were just. The, they didn't make a lot of calls. It was a really clean game, which is rare between these two teams. Yeah. But the calls they were making, every single one wasn't a penalty. Just at, straight up wasn't a penalty. The tripping call yeah. uh, on who? Tr- who both shoot. tripping calls were kind of crazy. The one they called against Brady Kachuk. Yeah. So uh, on Jake Wallman, like he didn't trip him whatsoever. Right. Tim Stutzla. He hit his thigh. Yeah. Yeah. With his <laughs> stick. Okay. Like he just gave him a, a little love tap. Yeah. And then Christian Fisher skated across in front of Tim Stutzla. Yeah. And Stutzla dove forward. The Michael Rasmussen hook on Shane Pinto. Like there was only four penalties in this game. It was a clean game, but the calls they were making were super were just soft. Yeah. Super soft. And like it went both ways. Unfortunately, it went their way more than it went our way. As the Red Wings only had one power play and they failed to yeah. score on it and basically cost them. But yeah, because- but even again, even the, the one we did have was ridiculous. Like it, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely weird, but I, it, well, it was the other thing. It was, it was weird, but it, it wasn't like there was, you know, 15 like power plays in this game. You know what I mean? It, I don't know. Yeah. Weird, it- weird, weirdly ref hockey game for sure. Certainly not like the reason for the result, but definitely weird. But that's what makes it even weirder, right? Like, 
it was a really clean hockey game. So much so that even the calls that they did call weren't calls. Right. Yeah. So like (laughs) if you're calling ticky tack stuff in a chippy hockey game, that's one thing, but this was like beyond ticky tack. I'm spending too much time on it, but I wanted to bring it up. That was really bizarre. Bizarre. Um, board. Yeah. Obviously the Red Wings tied it up in the, in the third period. Right. Scotty. But we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, as the game progressed, the scoring chances for both teams just, dropped off like that yeah. was probably we we talk a lot about how the Red Wings lead the league in uh comebacks right in the third period but there was like barely any third period push from either team it was the slowest third period I had ever seen and overall the Red Wings did have the advantage in the third period obviously they scored and forced overtime but as that game went on it just felt like the the energy left the rink more and more including with the fans do you think once you, if it's tied with eight minutes left, do you think that, how do I word this? Do you think that one or both teams at some point, and I'm not like whatever minute mark, at some point we're just like, you know what, let's just take this to overtime and we'll we'll be happy with that. And if we start off with the puck in overtime, then we're probably going to have the puck for all of overtime. And that's exactly what happened. Obviously, the Wings did not touch the puck for all of OT. Yeah, that's like, do you think that that's almost, you know what I mean? That that's it, almost a mindset at some point. Like, oh, well, you know, tie game, we can get a point out of this. Maybe the, and I'm not saying that's like the right mindset to have, but uh, it, it, there were so few like aggressive attempts made really by either team in the last three to five minutes that um, that's kind of like what I thought of almost, you know, yeah. in the last few minutes of the game, it almost felt like they were just like, all right, they were coasting for overtime. We wouldn't mind just taking a point here. <laughs> yeah. I, that thought crossed my mind too. It felt like both teams were just playing for overtime they both began to play like super defensive minded. It felt as if yeah, to the point where they're like, okay, we're just going to try and win in overtime. And like you said, I have two thoughts in overtime. One, they still need to change the rules of overtime, right? They just this, have an over and back rule, man. The, this the over FDA and back rule is killing me. Like just have an over and back rule. But at the same time, like how do you not touch the puck in overtime? Like you yeah. got to You got to force a turnover. And I know you don't want to overcommit and chase and find yourself out of position because you can screw your team. But well, they had some opportunities to touch the puck, though. This wasn't yeah. like it was, you know, I, I just that overtime was a snooze fest. I mean, if you're Ottawa, it's probably really exciting. Your team didn't give up possession. But I'm just like, oh, my God, please, for the love of God, let's just let it end. And it did. <laughs> Shane Pito uh, got the game winner. But. I mean, Dude, overall, Sen- have you seen the Sens record when that kid's in a lineup? No, what is it? It's very good. Oh, good for them. Very, very good. That's, yeah, something that everybody's talking about. I did. Okay, good for them. Yeah, good for them. They got something going for them. Uh, Scotty, overall thoughts, I'm not too, I'm not bummed. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a little disappointed they lost to the Sens again, but yeah, one more I'm- point. I'm frustrated in the loss to the Ottawa Senators. That frustrates me always. Um, <laughs> like that, that in a vacuum, may you know, is going to get under my skin a little bit. But um, yeah, tough to be to to lose too much sleep over still getting a point A and and B just with how well January has gone. Uh, you're in a really really good position going into the All Star break. A really and we'll do plenty of you know first half recap you know type of stuff during the All Star break. So 
Uh, we can kind of talk about that more in depth. But uh, it, this is one where the, the frustration comes from the the rivalry and not from really like the, the situation of where the wings are, like in the standings or anything like that. Uh, it's just I, I don't like losing to Ottawa. It's not, you know, frustration over – uh, oh, like we really needed that second point or anything. And it would have been nice to have, certainly. Right. And you should have gotten it. <laughs> Not saying any of that isn't true. You you were the better team and you should have taken two here. But um, I think a lot of teams said that in January when they played the Wings and, and we took two instead. So I'll, I'll I'll live with a point and going into the All-Star break with a, with a nice cushion there over, over the Islanders. Yeah, I mean, and you said it there, they were the better team. Outside of the first period where the Red Wings were outshot, um, was I mean it was only five to three were the shots at at five. Yeah, that's five. what I'm saying, man. End of one, it was very very low. But uh, analytically speaking, the Red Wings had sixty three percent and fifty one percent of the shot attempts yeah. in the second and the third period. So they, while both teams exchanged really high danger chances, the Red Wings had overall more chances in the game. So yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm lockstep on everything you said there at the end. Uh, and they need to they need to keep on rolling too. I know they have a, obviously a ten day break. They don't come back until. February the 10th, but you have your West coast, your Western Canada That's road trip. So long. <laughs> That's Dude. so much time. <laughs> and those teams that they're facing, Vancouver is one of the hottest, best teams in the NHL right now. They just completed a huge trade to land uh, Elias Lindholm as well. And Oh get, yeah. Yeah. It goes Vancouver at home. Then you go to Edmonton, go to Vancouver, go to Calgary, go to Seattle, home against Colorado, home against St. Louis, on the road to Chicago, at home against Washington, at home against the Islanders. Like that Western Canada road trip is going to be huge. Like I, I feel like I don't. We'll talk about it when we get closer. But just off rip, you got to win uh, for the road trip half of it. Not the first game against Vancouver, but for the road trip half of it, I think you got to at least split that. And that's a really tough ask because you're playing some really good teams on the Western Canada road trip. Seattle's obviously in America, but it's part of the Western Canada road trip. It. You're trying to fight for a playoff spot, so no win's going to be easy when you're trying to get into the playoffs. So, and you did it when you went to California, right? You beat the Kings. You just got to do. You just got to do it, man. You just got to do it. You just got to do it. Yeah, we'll talk about. Yeah, it's, you're you're two weeks ahead of schedule on this conversation, so we'll we'll save that one. What do you think of the trade? Huh? As far like, as like value wise, I think that Vancouver gave up a lot. I yeah, uh, but they're going like all in this yep. season because they're playing super great. So I don't know about long term. Yeah, long, well, like I don't think long term really, like, competitiveness. Like, I mean, they were a team that we were like, oh, are they going to buy or sell? Like, right? Like we had yeah. that conversation like a year, year and a half ago. We were like, oh, like what's the future of Vancouver and then they yeah they held on to everybody and now you know here they are so good for them yeah I uh the flames what a fall from grace I know I last really couple of years have been a, been a that I love the Matthew Kachuk and Gaudreau Corps flames. that was a really fun team man yeah oh well oh, we got some, some pieces to uh to you know try to build another one there you go just check out Jess at locked on flames there you go Another shout out for you guys. Scotty, any final thoughts? We ball, baby. We do ball. We'll be back with a new episode. We'll be doing a, uh, we're going to try to do a monthly check-in on the Griffins. And so we're having Andrew Rinaldi back in 
for our Friday episode of Lockdown Red Wings to talk everything Griffin. So stay tuned for that. Same time, same place, your team, every day. Every day. Every day.